Hello, welcome to the podcast of Chess Pro Baptist Church. This is Pastor Brett Martin. We're closing out our series on marriage entitled Some Assembly Required. And uh, the title of the message this week is The Husband's Turn Part 2. So this is the second part from last week. Our scripture is 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 7. And basically this is a message on how husbands should treat their wives. Please enjoy. As you see the scripture, it's 1 Peter chapter 3. Uh, just take your Bibles and turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. If you have your places, let me ask you to go ahead and stand one last time in respect and reverence to the Word of God. We're only going to read one verse this morning. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 7. The Bible says, You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker since she is a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. Last week, the title of the message was The Husband's Turn, Part 1. And the title of the message this week is The Husband's Turn, Part 2. So we're going to, like I said, we're going to hit the husband with both barrels. Let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for meeting with us in this place. We thank you for this church, for this group of people, Lord. We love each other so much. And Lord, I just pray that you would continue to bless our people. Uh, bless this message this morning. May you speak through the word of God today. Speak to our hearts. In Jesus Christ's precious name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So we have been in a series called Some Assembly Required since the beginning of the year. Uh, we have been in this series, and our point in this series <clears throat> is to build better marriages, and that's what we've been striving to do. And so there was a lady in Spain, and uh, she uh, chose a unique way to test her husband's love. She got together with her best friend and she decided it would be a good idea to stage her kidnapping. So she staged her kidnapping and she sent a ransom letter to her husband. Well, eventually the authorities caught her and they brought her in for questioning and they proved to her that they knew that this was a hoax. And then they asked her, why did you do this? Why did you fake your own kidnapping, and the answer to the question she gave was, I wanted to see how much my husband loved me. Women, I'm here to tell you today, you do not have to go that far uh, to ask this question. In fact, you can go straight to the Word of God because there's an example of how far a husband's love can go in the Scripture. In the Old Testament, there's a prophet by the name of Hosea, and God commanded Hosea to marry actually a prostitute named Gomer. And so he married Gomer and uh, they got married. They were married for a little while. And then after a little while, she became unfaithful to her husband. She began to have children that were, wasn't, were not his. Eventually she left him, but she ended up in, in being sold into slavery. So she's standing there. She's on the auction block and Hosea comes up and actually buys her back and saves her life. And of course, bigger picture, this is a picture of, of, of God buying back Israel and the church 
uh, through Jesus, through the price that He paid. He bought us back after we've prostituted ourselves with the world. But at the core, this is a story about how far a husband's love can go. Now, I've been spending a lot of time this year uh, on the roles in a marriage because I believe uh, that this is vital to the restoration of the American family. And I believe restoration of the family is vital to the restoration of the American church. We need strong Christian marriages in our society today because we've got a society that is against marriage. It's against marriage how God has his things set up. So what we need to do is we need to fortify our marriages. We need to guard our marriages. We need to build uh, defenses and set up defenses around our marriages. Think of a, a fort or a fortress, if you will, and this fortress has four walls around it. We've got a wall on the north, on the east, the south, the west, and we've got these four walls around our marriage because we're trying to guard our marriage. We're trying to defend our marriage. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at this one verse, Ephesians, uh, Ephesians, First uh, Peter chapter three verse seven, and we're going to see four walls today that we can put up in defense of our marriage. Now, husband, let me tell you something: you, uh, you are accountable to God for the marriage. So you might ask, what can I do, Brett? What can I do? to strengthen my marriage? Is there something I can do? You say put up these walls. What are these walls that I could put up? Well, I've got four walls that we can put up this morning. I've got a lot of material, so I'm going to jump right into the message this morning. Here's wall number one. Submission is mutual. Submission is mutual. Now, I know I talked about this last week, but I want to show you it's in the Bible more than once. Okay, Um, in Ephesians chapter five, uh, everybody goes to Ephesians chapter five and when they talk about a marriage and the first verse they want to quote is Ephesians 5.22. The husbands are like, wives, submit. That's what we need to be quoting. But they forget to back up one verse and quote Ephesians 5.21, which says that we're all supposed to submit to one another. So there is another level of submission there from a husband to a wife. You go on in Ephesians chapter 5 and it says how the husband should love your wives. The husband should love your wife as Christ loved the church. Well, how did Christ love the church? He submitted submitted himself to the church. He submitted himself to the needs of the church. He gave his life for the church and that's how... He loved the church by submitting to it. So we go back here to 1 Peter, and we can back up to 1 Peter 2.13, and back here it begins to tell Christians how they should submit. And it starts out by saying, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution. So it does much like Ephesians chapter 5, as it starts out by saying, Submit. And then it goes through different examples of how you should submit. That's the same thing Paul did in Ephesians chapter 5. So it starts out by saying uh, you need to submit to the government as a Christian. You need to submit 
to those institutions that God has put over you. And then it, it drops down a little bit and it starts to talk about how servants should submit to masters. Now, in the context of our culture, that's an employee-employer relationship. It continues on the chapter 3 and verse 1. And it continues this thought because it says, in the same way or likewise you wives be submissive to your own husbands. And then it goes down to verse 7. It says, husbands in the same way or husbands likewise. So we're continuing this idea of submission. Now, there are two types of views on marriage. Now, here's what they are. There's complementarianism and egalitarianism. Okay, so I'm going to explain the difference. Now, you could broaden this into the roles of women in the church, but that's a message all its own. It's actually a study, actually. So we're going to confine our explanation to the roles of marriage. So egalitarianism basically says that men and women, men and women are equal with no difference, that the genders are interchangeable. You can take a man out and put a woman in just as easy as you can take a woman out and put a man in. That there's no roles. Everybody can do each other's job. Uh, a, a man can do what a woman can do, and a woman can do what a man can do. Inside, there's, there's no difference in the two. Now, the other view is complementarianism. And this, it, now listen, there, complementarianism is broad. You know, there are a lot of people that say they're complementarian, but their views are very different. But in general, complementarianism is that men and women are equal to in worth in God's sight, but the two have different roles according to the Bible. They are equal. They are equal in worth. They are equal in value, but they have two different roles according to the Bible. Now, that's not saying that there haven't been some churches and that's not saying that there haven't been some pastors and some men who have taken this thing of complementarianism and went way over on the other side into patriarchy. I, 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 I want to let you know this morning, there's a difference in authoritative and authoritarian. There's a difference in, in these two. When the Bible says submit, it does not mean you have to sit there and endure abuse. It does not mean you have to sit there and endure neglect. It does not mean you have to sit there and endure mistreatment. Some Christian women have been taught this from a young age, and they are taught that they have to submit to anything their husband says, no matter if it's abusive, no matter if it's mistreatment, no matter if it's neglect. If you don't submit to it, then uh, you just got to sit there and take it and take it quietly with your mouth shut, and if you don't, you're not submissive. No. Thousand times no. This wasn't set up, so you have to sit there and take abuse. This wasn't, God didn't set this up where you have to sit there and take mistreatment. That's not how God set this thing up. Why? Because there's a difference in godly leadership and tyrannical rule. Husband, you are not the dictator. You are not the boss. You are a leader. And there is a difference in a boss and a leader. There's a difference in a dictator and a leader. 
If a husband directs a wife to do something that goes against her conscience, what does the Bible say? Obey God rather than men. So yes, inside of a marriage there is authority. Inside of a marriage there is submission. Inside of a marriage there is accountability. But see, here's the beautiful thing. God set this thing up where the one that has the accountability loves his partner so much that he submits to her needs. He loves her so much that he submits and serves his mate. So here's the first thing we got to know about marriage. Submission is mutual. The husband is the head. That's without a doubt how... How the Bible, the husband is the head, but even though the husband is the head, there is a way in which he submits to his wife. Number two, consideration is essential. Consideration is essential. Let's look back at verse seven. You husbands in the same way live with your wives in an understanding way as uh, with someone weaker since she is a woman. So this is the weaker vessel passage. Okay, we've grown up all our lives hearing this. The woman is the weaker vessel. And let me explain that this simply means you are weaker physically. Many times in the Bible, the body is actually called a vessel. Okay, so the body is a vessel. When the Bible says that the woman is the weaker vessel, it does not mean you are weaker mentally. It does not mean you are weaker emotionally. It does not mean you are weaker spiritually. It does not mean you are weaker intellectually. I will be first and foremost to tell you my wife is smarter than I am. A hundred percent, without a doubt, my wife is smarter than me. You look at most churches in America today and what you're going to find is the women are more spiritual than the men. Okay, that, that's across the board. So that, that's not what it's acknowledging is a clear physical difference. Okay, men aren't better than women. We're just different. Women aren't better than men. We're just different. And guess what? There's nothing wrong with acknowledging that fact. But we live in a society where if you acknowledge the difference between a man and a woman, okay, you're branded a sexist. You're branded a bigot. If I say on average men are taller than women, which is a true biological statement, I'm branded a sexist. If I say on average men are stronger than women, which, by the way, I know there's women out there that can kick my tail, 100%. Not, not even going to say that that's not the case, okay? But on average, men are stronger than women because there is a physical difference. And we need to stop blinding ourselves and saying that that's not the case and letting men win women's trophies and women's sports. That's all I'm going to say about that, okay? So we have to acknowledge, we have to acknowledge this. And once we acknowledge it, we can make some observations. Husband, you do not need to expect more from your wife than you should. 
I know sometimes it feels like she's superwoman. Okay, but she's not. She's not superwoman. She can't do everything. Okay, if, if she's falling behind in an area that she normally does, that doesn't mean you get to stop and wait on her to catch up and watch the football game while she catches up. That means you get off your tail and you go help her. You take some of the load off of her. You take some of the burden off of her. When's the last time she cooked and you cleaned the kitchen? When's the last time you cooked for her? 1 Corinthians 7.33, but one who is married is concerned about the things of the word world, how he may please his wife. Who are you living to please? Husband, are you living to please yourself? Or are you living to please your wife? God set it up where the strong bear the infirmities of the weak. That's what we have to do, husband, is we have to help bear infirmities. Look, chivalry may be dead in society, but chivalry does not need to be dead in your marriage. Husband, when is the last time you opened the door for her? Husband, when was the last time you pulled out a chair for her? Every once in a while, you're going to have to kill the spider. You're going to have to take the bullet, carry the thing, suffer the loss. I kill that spider, McKenna. Hey, if it's a snake, I'm calling her. All right. So listen, I, I had a friend one time. He was on a motorcycle in a metropolitan city. He was riding with his wife on his new motorcycle. They wrecked. They both got thrown from the motorcycle. It was not a serious injury, just minor scrapes, a few bruises, but they were very, very minor injuries. This friend of mine got up and went straight to the bike, picked the bike up, yelling, cussing, can't believe this. Look at this scratch. What, what am I going to do? And he was examining the bike. The wife had to pick herself up, dust herself off. They are not married today. They're not married today. Husband, do you remember how I told you you show love to your wife last week? Husband, you show love to your wife through self-sacrifice. That's how you shall love your wife. When is the last time you self-sacrifice for your wife? When is the last time you put her needs, you show that her needs are more important than your needs? In this day and time, there is something that we have to learn how to do. This is 2022 American culture right here. Something you got to learn how to do. What you have to learn how to do, put the phone down. Put the phone down. Listen, I know it's fun to look at Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and TikTok. And man, I know those things are great. Watch your favorite YouTube videos. Put the phone down and spend time with each other. Put the phone down. But I've been at work. I haven't been allowed to look at my messages. I haven't checked my notifications. Look how many I got. Put the phone down. 
And you know what, husband? I don't even care if she puts the phone down or not. You put the phone down. Because once she realizes you're actually paying attention to her, she'll put the phone down. Put the phone down. It says to live in understanding. It says to dwell in understanding. Husband, you need to be a student of your wife. You need to study her. You need to become an expert in your wife. You need to learn her. Now listen, I've been married for 15 years. I know the textbook changes every couple of years, and you got to start over. I get that. I understand it, okay? But listen, you have to study your wife. Don't be oblivious, okay? Learn what she likes. Learn what she doesn't like, okay? I heard a preacher say one time, know the soft spots. When you bring home a brand new baby, they've got that soft spot on the head. So you watch and you care and you look after the soft, you be careful around that soft spot. Learn the soft spots. Learn what makes her happy. Learn what makes her sad. You need to be an expert on her. If, 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 if they're giving out a degree on knowing your wife, husband, you need to be working on your doctorate. You need to be doing your postgraduate courses. And look, and this includes providing for her. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. This is not only a requirement, husband. This is the minimum requirement. The minimum requirement. And what this, this means is that if you don't provide for your family and you don't provide for your household, you're as bad as an unbeliever. So what that tells me is that how you provide for your house reflects Christ. Even when Jesus was on the cross, he looked out and said, Woman, behold your son. You, John, behold your mom. And even from the cross, Jesus took care of his family because that ref- how you do that reflects Christ. She's the weaker vessel. So that means you're the stronger vessel. Husband, God has given you the frame. God has given you the physical attributes. God has given you the drive to provide for your family. And this means cold, rain, heat, snow, sleet, mud. It doesn't matter. You provide for your family. On average, the husband is the strongest person in the household unit. That is not an accident. That is by design. I will never understand men today that don't want to work. I'll never understand it. Like like hard work is a couple of four-letter words. I'll never understand. I've, I've managed men for over a decade, and I'll never understand a guy that you don't even know if he's going to come to work or not. You don't want to take off because you're not confident he's going to come in and work in your place. I'll never understand people that don't want to do that. Man, you have to get off your tail, and you have to go to work. You have to provide for your family. Submission is mutual. Consideration is essential. And number three, cooperation is practical. Look back at verse number seven. Show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. 
So this is a reminder that she is equal. This is a reminder to the husband and wife that they are equal. Husband, just because there's a level of headship in your marriage does not make her less than you. In every other religious system on the planet, the woman is inferior, except in Christianity. In Christianity, she is equal. She is not only your wife, but she is a fellow Christian. She is redeemed. Husband, I want you to think about this. She will be your wife for a lifetime. She will be your sister in Christ for all of eternity. She'll be your sister in Christ longer than she's your wife. Guess what? She was made in the image of God too. Genesis 1.27, God created man. That word man there is another word for the human race because that's how the Hebrew language worked. God created man in his own image and the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. Your wife is an image bearer of God the same as you. How do you honor someone? You honor somebody by giving them worth. You honor somebody by giving them value. Let me read you some scripture in Proverbs. Proverbs 18, 22. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. 19, 14. House and wealth are inheritance from the fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. 12, 4. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who shames him is like rottenness in his bones. Proverbs 31.10, an excellent wife who can find, for her worth is far above jewels. So you ascribe worth to her. You ascribe value to her. And what that means is your wife, husband, is the most valuable person in your life. Let me tell you something that every Southern mom has. Every Southern mom has the china cabinet. It's nice, it's on display. I mean, just in case the Queen of England ever comes by for a visit, we've got the china cabinet, and we don't ever eat in the china, off the china, in the china cabinet. It's just there to look at, okay? The Queen might drop by any moment. And, and you just look at the cabinet, you never eat off of it. Well, sometimes these, these dishes are even under lock and key. Now listen, your wife, husband, your wife is the fine china. She is not chinette. She is not disposable. She is valuable. She is the greatest part of your life here on this earth, and you are to protect her and love her as such. Let me remind you that your life is one. You share a life with this person. And when you share this life with this person, you're sharing in an inheritance from the Lord. You, you have a part of this inheritance. The relationship, the openness that you have with your spouse is that little part of the Garden of Eden we get to enjoy now. It's that little part of paradise that we get here on the earth, even if the two of you are complete opposites. Even if you're completely different, you know what those differences do in your marriage? They complete, you complete each other. You balance each other out. One of you might be outgoing and one of you may be kind of a homebody. 
That's by design. You complete each other. One is outspoken. One is quiet. It's a balancing act uh, of perfect precision that only God can orchestrate. Here's something else. Your wife was not made to be your echo. Your wife was not made to be your yes man. That is not what the wife was created to do. She's designed to be your counterpart. She's designed to be the part of you that's missing. She's designed to fill in the blanks. And wife, your husband to you. Your husband is the part of you that's missing. Your husband fills in your blanks. You, that's, that's, that's the design. The verse says she shares in that grace of life. Guess what? She's saved by the same Savior. She will go to the same heaven. And in that heaven, she'll have access to the same rewards and rank that you do. So submission is mutual. Consideration is essential. Cooperation is practical. And number four this morning, division is unprofitable. Division is unprofitable. Look at that last phrase of verse 7. So that your prayers will not be hindered. Okay? Being the wrong kind of husband will hinder your Christian life. Husband, let me tell you something about your marriage that you may have never considered before. Your marriage is a ministry. Your marriage is not only a ministry, it is an important ministry. It's probably the most important ministry that you have. It's a ministry so important that God will not let you get away with failing at this ministry. Hey, you may be good at work. You may be great with your buddies, but you know, you kind of drop the ball when you're at home. God's not going to let you get away with that. Now, don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying it's solely the husband's responsibility to make a great marriage. But it's the husband's job to do the husband's job. So here we have the word hinder. This word hinder, it means to create difficulties. It means to interrupt. So what interrupts our prayers as Christians? Well, let, let's read on a little bit more in verse 8 and 9. To sum up, so this is the summation of everything we've just said. To sum up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, humble in spirit. Verse 9, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead, for you are called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. So how do we sum this up? In summary, you're to be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, humble in spirit, as opposed to what? As opposed to uh, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult. Do you know what causes division in a marriage? Here it is. Bitterness and unforgiveness. Bitterness and unforgiveness causes division in marriage. Colossians 3.19. Husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. So what this, this is implying, this is implying that she has already done something to the husband to make him bitter. And Paul says that doesn't matter. In other words, husband, 
When it comes to your wife, you control yourself. The way you treat somebody out in the world that mistreats you, if your wife mistreats you, you do not treat your wife the same way you'd treat somebody out in the world. You can never act towards your wife in an unloving way. Never. It's, it's, it's not allowed. You can't do it no matter what she does. You can't treat your wife that way. No matter the disagreement, you cannot treat her in an unloving way. There's a saying, very famous saying, never go to bed angry. Me and my wife have strived in our marriage to do that. Never go to bed angry. And we, many not, and we've had some humdinger of fights before. But every night we try to work things out before we lay our heads on the pillow. We try to do that. And we need to strive for that in our marriages. No animosity. No bitterness. And if we're not going to have any bitterness, we need to learn how to forgive. Jesus said this in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5.38. You have heard that it is said, eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. Whoa, 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 wait a second. That connects to our First Peter 3 passage. Because remember, that's how we're not supposed to act. Not returning evil for evil, insult for insult, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. That's how we're not supposed to act. So I'm going to read the scripture, but I want you to think about it in terms of your marriage. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks of you and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. Now we skip to chapter 6 and verse 14. It says, for if you forgive others their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Bitterness and unforgiveness will kill your marriage because they kill your Christian life. And if you are not a good Christian, you are not a good spouse. So what are we supposed to do instead? Back up one verse in 1 Peter, it says, first, be, harmon be harmonious. Seek harmony. Don't seek, don't seek to strife. Don't seek disagreement. Seek harmony. Seek to get along. Number two, be sympathetic. And this is for husbands and wives. Try to be sympathetic of what your spouse is going through. Put yourself in their shoes. Try to imagine what it's like to be them. And then it says brotherly. You have to remember that your, your, your spouse is your brother and or sister in Christ. That means there's a spiritual aspect to your marriage that's deeper than just the love you have as husband and wife. There's a spiritual connection, okay? Because you are concerned about their spiritual growth. Number next, kind-hearted. You are gentle to each other. You are more gentle to each other than you are anybody else on the planet. And number four, and this is a big one, humble in spirit. You know why you have to be humble in spirit? Because pride is a relationship killer. Pride will kill your relationship faster than anything else on planet Earth. Pride is a relationship killer. 
Pride always precedes a fall. Every single time. And the point of marriage is not to be prideful. The point of marriage is not to be demanding and always get your way. Okay? That, that's not the point of marriage. Like I said, being vulnerable and completely open to another person is the point of marriage. That's that little piece of the garden that we get back. That if you're prideful, you're not letting your spouse in. If you're prideful, you're putting up a wall, not on the outside of your marriage. You're putting up a wall inside your marriage. You're putting up a fence. So pride divides two. Pride will never let you say the words, I'm sorry. Pride will never let you say the words, I'm wrong and you're right. Pride will never let you overlook a flaw. Pride will not let you do that. That's why we have to be humble in spirit. Because pride is a relationship killer. Look, I, I, I want you to think about a marriage like this. I said earlier that if she's the weaker vessel, then you're the stronger vessel. But you can actually look at it another way. If she's the weaker vessel, what does that make you, husband? It makes you the weak vessel. So you're both weak. I've been up 55 before. I've been through St. Louis. And I, I, I always love to look at the St. Louis arch when I pass it. One day, I'm going to go up in that arch. I'm going to take the elevator. Has anybody ever been in the arch before? Uh, one day, I'm going to go inside that arch because I love the construction of that arch. Now, in the context of a marriage, I want you to think of an arch. An arch is strength made out of two weaknesses. So you are stronger when you lean on each other. Now look, this is a message to husbands, so I want to end with a quote to the husbands. R. Kent Hughes says this, The man who sanctifies his wife understands that this is his divine ordained responsibility. Is my wife more like Christ because she's married to me? Or is she like Christ in spite of me? Has she shrunk from his likeness because of me? Do I sanctify her or hold her back? Is she a better woman because she is married to me? I'm calling on all husbands and wives today. As we close out this series, I am calling on our husbands and wives to recommit, to reconnect, and restore. The church is built on the family. The family is built on the marriage. Marriages are our building blocks. Now today for the invitation and meditation time, I want you to pray with your spouse. I want you to pray with them. And if your spouse isn't here, I want you to pray for them. If you're not married yet, I want you to pray for your future spouse. Marriage is God's plan. Marriage is God's gift, but it's not easy. Why? Because some assemblies required.